Welcome, one and all, to episode 185 of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we continue on our trek on the free episodes of Offensive Players. And tonight, with you in uh, sunny, hot Florida, and by sunny and hot, I mean rainy, uh, we're going to we're gonna hit running backs because, well, one, it's short and sweet, and two, it's it's not as intriguing as years past because it just seems to be a lot of chalk with the first, you know, three or four guys. And then after that, it's kind of a, it's kind of a choose your own adventure, right? Yeah. I mean, it, we did a show back in, I want to say October where we did our top five running backs mid season. And for you and I, I don't think much has changed. So we're going to have a couple of subtle differences. We're going to explain that, but, uh, I think the bottom line is it's a pretty good running back class recognized across the board. Uh, you'll see that we don't have some guys that some pundits are putting in their top five, but other guys were right in kind of in lockstep with some of big draft on, which isn't really totally unusual when you're talking about highly rated guys, but that's just kind of how it, how it is this year because, <clears throat> because it's a strong running back class, we've got a lot of running backs in their first, second, third round range that we, we'd like. So we'll give you our top five. We'll throw a few other names out there too. And we'll get some hot takes. And then um, if you subscribe to us on Patreon this week, bonus episode, uh, that's going to focus on defense. I think we're probably going to focus on, what do you think, linebackers this week? Yeah, linebackers, uh, off-ball linebackers. Yeah. So another quick episode while, while Jay is yes. kind of out of town and yeah, is so able sign to up for the two dollar tier. You'll get the bonus episode. Get to hear our linebackers. You'll get to look back and and uh, last week we did defensive backs. A couple weeks ago we did offensive line. After we talked to Sully, so those rankings are all sitting out there. But our our skill players are all going to be here on this feed. So uh, as always, you know we appreciate you listening. Whether you listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, or whether you listen to us on Patreon, we especially appreciate that. And, Especially now that we're getting into the home stretch, we got fewer than three weeks to go, and there's going to be a lot of Patreon content popping up over the next uh, two and a half weeks. Yeah, and it just makes sense, you know, the way um, the way it comes out and the way it, you know kind of comes around and everything. So uh, when you look at running backs, we'll start at the top, and like we said, it's kind of chalky. Uh, so we'll go back and forth the first couple and. Maybe say a quick quip on why uh, we we have those guys that way. But um, number one, with a bullet, not really a question or even much to say, is uh, Bijan Robinson, right? Like, pretty pretty clear-cut number one guy in this class. So I think the conversation isn't who's the top running back in this class. Um, there might be a few guys out there <clears throat> who think it's somebody other than Bijan Robinson, but... Many, many people, I would say, you know, 95, 99% of our uh, draft analysts, big draft, small draft, whatever, have Bijan Robinson, number one. And we've got big draft guys like Dan Jeremiah and uh, Todd McShay, I think, having him as a top five to ten overall player. So my question really is, um, is he as good of a running back prospect as, let let me rephrase, where does he fit? in terms of running back prospect with Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. You know, it's one of those things that I think everybody outside of like this podcast kind of undervalued what Taylor brought. Um, I would have him in the same tier of a runner as like Zeke. Like they're not the athletic freaks that Saquon and, and, Taylor were, but they're guys that in something we've talked about with Zeke, you know, forever, they're guys that understand how to play the position. They play it at an elite level. And like the biggest thing we always talked about with Zeke and what made him so special for, you know, you know, again, those first couple of, of seasons where he was running for, I mean, think about this as a 21 year old rookie, he rushed for over 1600 yards over five yards of carry right um and then the next season 
he missed six games, still ran for 983 yards. Then the next season, he again wins the rushing title and comes back over 1,400 yards rushing. Um, you know, 2019, the start of his fall off, he rushed for over 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. So, you know, it's one of those situations you're talking about a guy that was an all-pro all twice, multiple pro bowler, um, and they just understand how to run. And I think the reality becomes with those guys, yes, they the the wear and tear, especially, I mean, you look at it, you know, seven seasons, he's got over 1,800 carries, so just about 250 carries a season. He has three seasons over 300 carries. Um, and look at and the then, overall touches, too, with him. Right, right. And, yeah, overall touches, he's got – over so you know in seven seasons he's got over 2100 touches and over uh 10,500 yards from scrimmage so i mean this is a guy that that um was not just elite but he was utilized in a way that made his pick valuable and i think this is something that people struggle with and um i'm looking for the tweet right now but um you know george frost or george foster maybe it was um i believe he was an offensive lineman in the nfl could be wrong um yeah at at george foster 72 um if you want to if you want to go check it out but and I'm, i'm trying to find the tweet but basically it said to the extent of something we've talked about, like, okay, here it is. The, do you take a running back that early question is such an easy question to answer. I don't know why it's such a polarizing one. If you're going to use a running back a lot and you have the chance to guarantee having a special one on your team, um, what do you think? Duh. If you're going to toss the ball around a ton, yes, you should take a special wide receiver high. Yes, you should take a special OT high. Yes, you should take a special quarterback high. It ain't rocket science. I appreciate his use of duh. Um, I think my seven-year-old daughter would have suggested that he use a doy there. Yeah. Um, but same thing. And I totally agree with that take. I totally agree with that. Right. And, and it's, it's just so, it's so frustrating it's, to us when people don't, you know, don't seem to understand that. And they live in, in this world where, um, you know, I've talked about so many times over the years, but I'll repeat it again. When people say running backs don't matter, it's a skin crawl. I don't like hearing anybody doesn't matter. It's so irritating, especially somebody who is going to touch the ball many, many times per game. Okay. I get the pushback that, you know, when there's a stat that says, Oh, if so-and-so carries the ball 20 times or more, this team is 15 and 0. Yeah, I get how that works. I, you and I both understand that, that that's kind of a, a silly stat because it's, yeah, teams are going to run when they're up, when they're winning already, right? <clears throat> but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about guys that are dynamic, that impact the game, <clears throat> and they're different from the other players in their class. And that's where uh, well, Johnson. Well, well just think about this, too. I mean, and. You know, we're we're big wide receiver guys here too. Like we don't, like you said, we don't really discriminate. And we like term. playing fantasy football too. You know, right? We, and, we, we and, both play dynasty leagues. Like we're we're into it. We get it. We have strategies for that too. But I mean, to Foster's point and what we've kind of preached is, when you are going to take a guy that seems to be elite, and you know, there's never such a thing as a guarantee, right? But but feels safe-ish right in the in the context of the draft um and you have a chance to draft him and solidify that position like the cowboys did with zeke for you know basically five seasons where i mean you look at his touches 354 268 in in 10 games so 26.8 touches a game so just under 27 touches a game uh, 381 in 15 games, 355, and then, uh, and then it dropped down, drops down to 296. Right? You're talking about a guy 
that's touching the ball, th- you know, three times the amount that your number one right wide receiver is. So, like, why not make sure that player is great? Like, that's that's the point of the conversation. Yeah, we're I not. Think I think it's harder to take a top running back completely out of the game than it is to take some of the receivers. You know, not the best of the best. We understand a guy like. Um, you know, currently one of the best in the league is Justin Jefferson. Very hard to take him out of the game plan. Hard to take Cooper Cup out of the game plan, uh, when he's healthy. But it's really, really hard to do it with a with an elite running back. And so, I want to say this too. Let, let me add. I think Bijan. You know, to me, he's very good. Um, I would. I'm not as high on him as I was on Zeke Taylor. And um, who's the other guy mentioned? Barkley. Barkley. I'm I'm not as high on him as a prospect as those three guys. Okay, but he's very close, you know. And to me, he's. I had a first round grade on Brees Hall last year. After almost kind of not wanting to, but he forced the issue with. Um, Bijan's a little bit better than that, so I put him right after that. That that top cluster. He's right after that for me, and then uh, you got Brees Hall a little bit down the road. But I, I think all those guys are really good running back prospects. I like the size, I like the speed, and I'll, I'll, let me throw out a few notes here because I want people to know that we do watch the tape. You know, we're throwing out some numbers, but don't get it wrong. We we watch the tape. We like uh, Bijan's lower body flexibility, his stop and start suddenness. Uh, it's used to the jump cut, very effective with that. And one of the things that Seth you alluded to was um, that where he's similar to Zeke is that he can kind of contort himself when he's going through traffic so that he avoids those big blows, those big body blows. And that, to me, is so important for longevity, for career longevity. If you don't take those big hits, once you kind of lose that, and we've seen Zeke lose it over the years, we've seen Kareem Hunt, who is very good in, in that vein, he's starting to lose that too. When you start to lose it, then you become kind of a thumper and you take a lot of big hits and you get dinged up. But if you can maintain that, kind of just twist your body when you're going through traffic so you don't take those huge blows, you're going to have a long, a nice productive career. And both guys I just mentioned, um, Hunt and Zeke, have very good long careers already for running back. Number two on our list, again, it's one of these times where jay and i are just kind of in agreement on things we promise Uh, you that's we're gonna have a couple differences after this one right and it's and it's uh jameer gibbs and again you know you look at it it's it's one of those situations where you talk about a guy um who is getting comped incorrectly. I think people see the usage and like the Alvin Kamara comp, right? They see and the usage and the the, hair. the the braids, yeah. And also the fact that both players went to Alabama at one point. Right. And so the thing is, uh, Kamara's came into the league at 5'10", 214. Um, Gibbs came in at... What, uh, He's 5'9", and... 199. So yeah. So, shade under 200. so yeah, an inch shorter and 15 pounds lighter. And you might say, well, that doesn't matter. He also ran faster. I think that's, you know, some significantly faster. Right. 436 versus uh, mid four fives. Right. So big difference there. Yeah. I don't think they're similar much at all, other than, like you said, other than the pass catching. The, the ironic thing is, and is that, uh, Kamara is a much more explosive lower body player. At 214, he had a 39.5 inch vert and a 131 inch broad. Uh, Gibbs, we didn't get a, a broad on, but he was 33.5 inch vert. So, again, like those aren't strong comps because that speaks to his lower body strength. And right. It's not a big deal for a running back to have a great vertical. No. But it's it is just a noteworthy difference between those two prospects. You know, the the big time comp that he got from big draft from Dan Jeremiah at the combine was Jamal Charles. What did you think about that? 
I just feel like that's such a it's like such a such a, run, right? yeah, like such a like if if you want to say that's like his absolute ceiling high end sure. comp, I'm fine with that because again, Jamal Charles a third rounder too. Yeah, and and Charles came in at five eleven, two hundred pounds, uh, uh four three four. Yeah, four three eight forty, so a little slower. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much. But wash, but the funniest part was he had a thirty and a half inch vertical. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, so like, because we've talked about broad jump battering more for running backs, because that's kind of the the motion of running the ball. You're propelling yourself right. outward, not upward. You're not hopping down the field like some kind of rabbit. You're you're propelling yourself forward like a you know track athlete more. So and. You know, I, but I, that being said, I didn't love the comp. Uh, it's an interesting one because it's, like you said, it's ultra high end. But um, one of the ones that matches up numbers wise is Javid Best. People might think that's bad. Uh, Best was a first round pick, and Best was looking like a really good player. And he took a like he just got completely windmilled. Somersaulted at, at, in the end zone. I think that's the play that kind of ended his career, right? The con- very serious concussion, a neck injury, and he just never was able to rebound from that. So you have to think of what maybe what Javid Best would have been without being without having that horrible injury uh, knocked him out for the career. But um, you know, if I if, if I've said anything wrong, Seth, please correct me. But I think that's well. And let me give you another comp that I've. Uh come across lately that I haven't seen and they're different. I I think the reason it doesn't get brought up much is because um, this guy in, uh, in college, and I just want to make sure my stats are correct before I say this, but this guy in college was like uh, not a receiving threat. And in fact, he was like a huge, like, he had massive, massive seasons at Rutgers, but size-wise, speed-wise, um, he he compares a lot to Ray Rice. Uh, but like Ray but, Rice was a little bit stockier. Maybe yeah, was... five. But he was five eight one ninety nine. Okay, okay. So and he ran a different. yeah four four two, so a little slower again. And but he didn't have the volume of catches. Now I'm I'm trying to see. But he ended got, up being a really a, a good receiving back in the pros, right? That's what I'm double checking. Yeah, I mean, seventy eight receptions, yeah. sixty three, seventy six. So like, like it. People will hate it because like obviously how things ended with Ray Rice, but like three time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, two time second team All Pro, like. I mean, you look at it again, you go back to touches, right? 332 for over 2,000 yards his second year. 370 for 1,700 yards. 367 for over 2,000 yards. Um, 318 for over 1,600 yards. So, like, over 300 touches in, was that, four straight seasons before, obviously, off-the-field stuff and, and things like that. But, like you're talking about a a guy that put up just massive, massive numbers um, as a smaller back. Now Gibbs, I'll throw a few more film notes out here for our listeners, but Gibbs is a guy to me, he's got quick feet, but he's one of those players who gets moving so fast. Sometimes you feel like he's running out of shoes. And, and um, that's something that can create balance issues out in the open field. Not big, issue with him but it's just something i noticed um because he generally has pretty good balance especially after contact but he's not a powerful guy he's not gonna break a lot of tackles or push a lot of piles he's he's just not really big enough for that i think for that same reason you see a lot of hit and miss in the pass protection aspect of his game where he's certainly willing to stand in there and take contact but not always that effective sometimes he's going to uh, give up a sack. But the one thing, the other thing you, you can uh, say about him is he's a guy who can split out, he can play in the slot, he can line up out wide, he can run some receiver-type routes. And I think that's all very helpful in today's NFL. So this is why, th- to me, he's 
you know, Bijan's a day one player. Me Gibbs is a day two player, along with a couple of the other guys we'll, we're going to mention in a few. Uh, number three, why don't you go first? Because this is where we start to diverge. Okay. Let me, uh, for, for running back three, this is a slight difference from where I was in the middle of the season. It's a player, you know, who I, I believe I did mention. I think it's in my top five, but close to the bottom. But I really like uh, Israel Abanaconda from Pitt. He goes by Izzy. So we'll call him Izzy. And, um, he did not test the combine, but he had a fantastic pro day where he ran a 4-4-1, 41-inch vertical, and a and I said vertical is not that important for running back, but then he had a 10-foot, 8-inch broad jump. So you have, he's a he's a super athletic freak, right? Lower body explosiveness, track speed. He's a good size back, 5'10", 216 pounds. And then he has uh, long arms too, 32-inch arms, which can help him in the receiving game. He's a player who can return kicks for you as well. And uh, a guy who won't turn 21 years old until October. So you have a lot of, you've got the athletic upside as well as youth on your side. This is a player who broke out this year for Pitt. He had a big-time 300-yard game where he scored six touchdowns. He is... I just like, he's a little bit more of an upright runner, the way he, he runs the ball, but he's not super tall, so that I don't think that's going to hurt him as much. He keeps those legs driving on contact, and he, he doesn't go down easily. And he's got good balance. He can pick up yards after the catch. He's got good open open field speed, and he really accelerates. Once he gets out into that second level, you're going to have a hard time. Your defensive backfield has to be really fast to catch this guy. Um, I think I mentioned, but I'll reiterate, he'll get back there and return kicks for you. Um, doesn't look like great pass protector. That's something he's probably going to have to work on, or he's going to be more like a role player early on. So he's going to have to get better at that. But like I said, he's super, super young. And uh, I really like his uh, outlook. A player I compare him to is Ben Tate, who played for the Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. Had a short career, but... There were some flashes of brilliance there before, you know, he just kind of fizzled out. But uh, Abanaconda is, I believe Ben Tate was a second-day player, and I believe Abanaconda is also a second-day player. And in some years past, because of the speed... He was a second-round pick. Yeah, Tate. Okay, so he was a high second-round pick, right? Yeah, 55. Okay, so yeah, mid to high second second round. And... um. I'll tell you, man, Abanaconda, because of that 40 time at his size and that vertical and that production that he had at Pitt, in years past, he might have been a first-round pick. But we don't we don't put those guys in that spot anymore. And we talked a lot about different guys. Remember, as a 23-year-old rookie, uh, Tate came in, rushed 175 times for 942 yards. And he was uh, in a tandem backfield, I think, with another big – uh, another productive rusher. Yeah, I think that was still with uh, Arian Foster, and okay. Arian F- Foster, it was a Pro Bowler that season. Um, but Ben Tate was more efficient. This is probably as as things were ratcheting up, and the uh, running backs don't matter conversation. <laughs> yeah, and see, we'll throw out some comps here that might seem like they're not very favorable but they actually a lot of times they are and and i think tate's issue was just injuries right like he just kind of because yeah, like when he got to cleveland he got banged up and uh, yeah because cleveland minnesota pittsburgh his last like couple seasons but like those, those teams had other backs that they right ended up favoring over just kinda right pushed the wayside. and and you look at it the two seasons he had over 100 carries in houston he had nice seasons. I mean, 181 carries his third year, 771 yards. Uh, you know that that's not bad at all. I've got uh, I've got Izzy at four. Okay. Number three. I think we have our threes and fours just kind of flipped around, right? Right. And number three, and and you know, I'm really surprised at how quiet the conversations on this guy are. 
uh, because he's really similar to a guy that a lot of people loved coming out last year. Uh, I think, yeah, last year that went in the second round, maybe third round. I can't remember, but uh, I'm talking about um, Zach Charbonnet, the UCLA running back, you know, just under 6'1", 214 pounds. Everything was, you know, above average to, to nearly elite. Um, you know, when you look at it, the, the, the biggest issue was his bench press, but I'm not sure how much that matters. You can tell me more about that. Um, Probably not. Yeah. But I mean, like we've talked about the vertical and the broad, very good. Uh, the 40 more than adequate. And so, so who does he, who does he compare to from last year? So a guy that he reminds me of is Rashad White. Okay. That came in, was a third-round pick, and had a really nice rookie season. Uh, became he might kind actually of actually be in line to have a huge like, bell cow role, although we'll right. see what they do in that draft. And so you just look at it, you know, you just look at and You know what's really funny, man, is like you look at Rashad White on, on the uh, NFL Combine stuff, and he's listed at six foot two fourteen, and then the the Bucks list him at six two. <laughs> <laughs> so the teams are as bad as the college teams. Yeah. So I mean, so he's the guy that you know had a really nice rookie season, and again, these might seem like low end, but we're we're more into uh, realistic uh, comps mm-hmm. than we are like uh, giving out false hope of guys. Another guy that he has favorable comparisons to, and again. In year one, everybody thought he was going to become the next, you know, breakout guy, and he just had he struggled with uh, injuries and effectiveness and things like that. And that was uh, Bernard Pierce with okay. the uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, Ravens, another another third round pick. Okay. Um, he was out at Temple, I think. Yeah, eighty fourth overall. Um, you know, had again his first season had. 115 touches and 579 yards from scrimmage. I mean, he averaged five yards a carry. And then after that, he just couldn't really keep the weight off and stay healthy. And that's one of the, I want to ask you this because this is something that, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, we always, I don't want to say always, that sounds bad, but like we criticize guys like Gibbs or like we put up hesitation on guys like Gibbs because they're a little undersized, right? The 199, you know, but, a lot of these big backs, have you noticed that they kind of, if they don't take care of themselves, and even like you mentioned earlier, like Zeke, right? Like the first five years, four years, he was in really good shape, and then it started to become the the meme, right? Like the kind of the gut hanging out of the out of the tucked in, rolled up shirt and everything. That's, like it's probably hard to maintain, you know, over two hundred, you know, close to two hundred twenty pounds. When you're under six feet tall. And that, and that's what I was going to ask. Like, is that something that we should be thinking about from a longevity standpoint, as opposed to like looking at this in a four year sample or because we're talking about day two picks, right? Guys that we would take like Gibbs. We talk about in the second round, like Charbonnet, Izzy, um, Second, the guys third that round guys, yeah. yeah, yeah. That we're talking about. Are we just looking at this as like, Hey, just give me, give me four years of, you know, solid play. Like, and I'm not going to worry about it. Is that how we have to look at these guys? I think you almost have to look at every NFL player like that because just every, the NFL takes its toll on every single position. So you can look at, when you're looking at quarterbacks, obviously you're trying to find a long-term guy. Offensive line, I think is a, is a position that's more staying power, but the average years uh, per career of any NFL of any NFL player is around four years, or at least it has been in, in years past. And I don't think there's been anything. You know, we're taking every position across the board into that, so it's a little bit different. But certainly, if you can get four good years out of a running back that you're <clears throat> handing the ball to often, that's going to be a quality career. And then, you know, it's not going to be a Hall of Fame career obviously but but i think people get caught up in that like right like they get caught up in these guys being like long term yeah it's uh, not like baseball you know or basketball it's when 
this is like uh, if you have a player who you take after the first round who gets to a second contract with with that team, that's a really great draft in most cases, right? Right. So you're you just have to kind of look at it. You have a window. Can this player help you in that window? And uh, Charbonnet is a guy I really like as well. Uh, he's my running back four. And he's a guy I think has a really strong pass protection. He's got soft hands as a receiver. 37 catches this year. He's got good feet for a big back. He shows a lot of patience. Uh, he really came into his own at UCLA because they started giving him a lot of carries. And I think he's a player, too, where the time speed is solid, but I actually think his downhill speed, once he gets into open field, is even better. And uh, mention his feet, quick quick feet to avoid low tackles. So you're not going to be able to dive at his feet and tackle well. He's going to run through that, and he's going to fall forward at the end of runs. He's going to finish runs strongly. You can even line him up outside in the slot, too, because he's He's that good of a receiver. I don't think that's going to be – that's probably going to be like a gimmick thing here and there, but it's something we've seen on tape, and, and he can get low and really get those tough short yard, uh, yards for you. Third and one, fourth and one, you give him the ball, he's going to get there uh, more often than he's not. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of Charbonnet. I think he's going to be a very good player in the league. And I think I, we, I, I, think I have a comp for him that was a little different from yours. Yeah. He lines up pretty well with Miles Sanders from a number standpoint, too. Height, weight, speed. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, and again, we're talking about guys that are, I mean, I know Sanders just kind of got a nice contract, mm-hmm. right? And he from... just got through four years. He was a solid big, uh, round two pick, solid career so far, and then gets a nice free agent contract with another team. But still, um, if that's the career trajectory for Zach Charbonnet, it's a good one. I think that would be a great high end, like you said, pick. Because I mean, you you're talking about a guy that this season made his first Pro Bowl, um, had just under 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns rushing. You know, uh, another he had probably his worst receiving season, but they started to use him more as a as a run only back, right? Um, and less because they had Gainwell and um, who's the little guy that they Boston would throw the Scott, ball, Boston Gainwell. Scott. Yeah, I mean they they had. Um... And they have receivers. They have Jim Hurts running the ball. So a lot right. of a uh, lot of people to get pieces. Touches. Yeah, parts. Yeah. Um, number five, and and we kind of are doing this a little different because it's not that we don't have a number five. Um, it's just that this is a weird class in that we talked about these four, and these are all guys that. So Robinson's a guy you take. You know, you, you'd be willing to take in the first round. Gives the guy. You'd be willing to take, you know, in the early to like, you know, top between that 32 and, and 45 range. Right. And then Charbonnet and Izzy, you're looking at after 50, um, probably going to have to grab them before 90 ish. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then you come to the number five guy. And and for me, I said Devin A. Chain. I I worry. We talked a little bit about Gibbs. You know, I do worry about his size. Um, you know, he came in at 5'8", 188, which is, for running backs, is is like tiny, tiny. Um, and it hasn't always worked out for those guys. Um, you know, a guy that really had a nice career but isn't the athlete, um, you know, uh, he was was oh i just lost my notes hold on <laughs> i find it again but yeah i mean you just you look at these guys um there it's just not it's hard to find comps for guys that are in the 11th percentile for height and then the third percentile for weight and right then run a four three right right um, so i'll and, throw this name out here um naeem hines right that was yeah. That was the guy I actually had. Okay, I couldn't find, find my so, notes. So Naeem Hines, like, where would you take a player like that? And I, I really, I'm a fan of A Chain's game, and I actually think he's a little bit. I think he's a better inside runner on tape than what we saw from from Hines in college. But again, you're you're gonna have a hard time projecting 
a player like this because there's not going to be NFL teams don't put 188-pound running backs in that role. So they're trying to find different roles for him. So that's why I like the Heinz comp. He's been a receiving back. He's been a return man. Uh, teams are going to find ways to take advantage of that lightning fast speed. You just have to figure out what's the value in that role. How does that role project? What's the value? Um, he's a third or fourth round player to me. And I would. And Himes went in the fourth round. So, okay. like that, that all matches up really well. I mean, Hines came out of North Carolina State. He, I think he was a little bit bigger coming out even, which is crazy to say, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, but I think you're, he, no. he was 10 pounds heavier, which is, again, insane. And it's frustrating to me as a, as a viewer, as an observer of, of football, to watch a guy like Hines get touches in a backfield like when, when he was in, with Indianapolis. And he's getting a lot of touches at certain points and in certain games with Jonathan Taylor there. I'd rather, me, in my mind, I'd rather be giving those touches to uh, to Jonathan Taylor when you have a player of that caliber. But it's not because I think Hines is a, a terrible player. It's just that I think there's a certain role for that player. Um, right. I would love to see a team try like a Warwick Dunn type of thing and, and give H-ing a 20 carry or 15, 20 carry roll, but it, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I'm trying to factor that into my evaluation. Of it. And, and temper why. expectations, right? Yeah, right. And that's why he was my fifth running back, I think, or in my top five uh, when we did this middle of the year. He's just going to be outside my top five now because I'm going to put him, a chain and uh, Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, who's even smaller. 175179 but another player I really love his game and another guy who showed a lot of toughness running the ball as a feature back despite being a small guy I'm still going to put those guys as third fourth round players because they're going to need a specific role and they're going to share backfield carries in some way you mentioned other backs. right you mentioned uh, Deuce Vaughn he was another guy that I kind of again I'm I'm with you like you put them in that I would take them in that late third early fourth round mm-hmm. range and one other guy fourth round like a, a, a name that comes to mind with with Vaughn is Tariq Cohen who's a fourth round okay and I had another one that stays away from the obvious uh, Darren Sproles was actually Dion Lewis okay so Fifth fifth round oh, to the okay. Eagles, yeah. But then had all those really, really effective seasons with the Patriots, right? Like mm-hmm. he, a pain in the ass for a lot against a lot of teams. Then he was uh, a a nice effective backup for um, uh, Derrick Henry, you know, for a couple seasons. And you know, again, we're talking day three prospects. Like if you get two contracts out of them, that's that's a home run pick. Um, that you just don't see a lot of, right? Like mm-hmm. you just don't see a ton of those guys um, coming out and, and being successful like that. Um, so I, I got one more guy. Yeah, go ahead. Because I moved, I moved A-Chain and Vaughn. They're, they're still really in the same tier for me as this player, but because they're different roles, I want to discuss them differently and add this player. And that's – uh. Oh, that's Ole Miss running back via TCU. That's Zach Evans. Now, I'm not super, super high on Evans. But the thing about him is I think there's a bigger role for him as a five foot eleven guy who's – he weighed at 202, but we've seen him listed up as high as 215 and 210. I think he plays a little bigger. I think he maybe came in light at the combine uh, to try and run better. And I don't even recall. He might not have even run at the time. But he, he came in light, and that was a little bit different from what we were expecting. I thought he'd be more like 210, 210. Um, Still ends up, we've got a 4.5, 240 for him. The shuttles are decent. They're not great, but they're at least average level. And you, you've got a, an above-average broad jump, so you've got that <clears throat> explosiveness. And um, he, he can... He comps to players like Tony Pollard and Kenyon Drake from a speed and size um, 
you know, standpoint. And, and I think you can see a little bit in that role too, because you can throw him the pass. He's got good long speed, and he'll work open in a pass game. He's got good instincts as a receiver to get open. Uh, he can pluck the ball with, with his hands out of the air. He's not just letting it get into his body. He's got like this smooth glider type of running style. But that also kind of lends itself to where he's just kind of taking what's given to him. He's not super creative. And he also goes down, I think, fairly quickly once he's on contact. But he does a nice job following the blockers and, and um, falling forward at the end of runs. I think what we saw with him was some, a little bit of ball security issues where he needs to protect the ball when he's in traffic. But he's got some wiggle. He can avoid some big hits. Zach Evans is a player who's kind of a guy who has not quite lived up to his potential, but he still has quite a bit of One name that I really like in this class um, that – and he's going to get easy uh, – easy comps to like uh, or not comps, but I should say easy. Uh, people are going to be like, Oh, he could be this year's Isaiah Pacheco. I don't think that's even fair because he's so much smaller than Isaiah Pacheco. And that's Keaton Mitchell out of, uh, out of East Carolina. Uh, Mitchell came in at sub five, nine, you know, sub one eighty but he ran a four three seven and had a great vertical and broad jump as you you know you kind of mentioned where those matter and how those matter um but again, we just don't have a lot of guys that were that small right like that were sub one eighty um that weren't able to or that that came into the NFL at that size. And that makes it really hard to find any type of, of uh, fair or I guess fair is probably not the, but like, like accurate. Comp. Yeah. Accurate comps. Like one that isn't awful, but again, you're talking like you got to stretch like 15 pounds is like justice Hill coming out of Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you're talking 15 extra pounds. Like that's, that's a lot. Um, and so, and that's, you know, that would be like, again, you're talking, I mean, what justice went in the sixth or seventh, I want to say, um, you know, oh, he went in the fourth. Wow. I'm wrong about that. I thought he went much later, fourth, but six, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. But like, so a day three guy, uh, with a lot of, you know, that is an elite, uh, guy with the ball in his hands but like you have to use them in a really specific manner right you can't just expect him to make plays so like an every down guy so yeah you want you want to try and put him in position to make plays and i'll throw this name out here too this is going to be uh this is a guy who made kind of made his bones on special teams and that might be the way you have to uh, get keith mitchell involved early on at least and that's chris rainey Remember Chris Rainey out of Florida and yeah. Steelers, and um, he had a really unique skill set on special teams. Wasn't he a, a very good punt blocker? He blocked a few punts and kicks in his time in college and pros, if I recall correctly. So um, I'm not saying that's how you use Keaton Mitchell necessarily, but it shows the creativity that's involved with with taking a player like that when you don't have. Uh, when he doesn't fit an archetype, right? Right. Uh, what about for you? Any other guys you want to mention? So, yeah, there's a, a late-round guy that I like, and he was a, a player, I think, um, who caught some steam definitely after the combine, but I think even before that. And that's uh, Tulsa running back Daenerys Prince. We've talked about him a few times both um, in articles and on shows, on our Patreon especially. But Daenerys Prince, really good measurements, 6 feet, 216 pounds. Um, <clears throat> he's kind of been a part-time player because he's been banged up. He's had some injuries, but he was a, originally a Texas A&M guy and ends up transferring to Tulsa. There was an injury at the beginning of the year. 
or maybe something different. We're not sure. He missed some time early on in the 2022 season for some undisclosed reason. We believe it's an injury, but it may have also involved something off the field. Um, but regardless, he came on. What? A college kid getting in trouble? It could have been. It could have been. We're not saying. We're just saying that it's possible. But one of the things we know is that when he came back, he, he had some very, very good games. He had a couple 200-yard games. That's where I, where he caught my eye, and I wrote about him on, on Patreon. And uh, then he runs a 4 4 140 at 216 pounds. So it's kind of unique for this class. If you're looking for a recent comp, uh, you got Zamir White the year before. And Zamir White fell a little bit because of some injuries and then didn't play too much this year. But he's a player um, that I think the Vegas Raiders still look possibly to get involved this year. He's a player that a lot of people like going into the draft last year. You're going to get Daenerys Fritz in the late rounds. Fifth, sixth, seventh round, or maybe even undrafted free agent. If there's something else there that I don't know about, like medical, uh, you know, a bad MRI or something. But I like this guy. Um, he reminds me on tape of Chris Carson, and he's got a little bit more speed than that. But Carson was a player who also didn't play a ton in college, but then ends up having a very good career and have some really good seasons with the Seahawks as a fifth or sixth round pick um a player who dropped because he was part of a you know part of a rotational backfield had some injury issues that's where i see denaire prince i have a fourth fifth round grade on him he's my running back like probably he's my running back either 10 through 12 somewhere in that range but he's a player i think you're going to be able to get some good usage out of he's a player uh, as long as he checks out physically and keeps his head involved he's a, he's a pretty good running back prospect and i think he could be one of those players who really outplays his draft slot and and has a one or two strong year it's not a uh nfl draft season if we don't bring up something asinine from chris sims um you know <laughs> so i mean Button, why does he button his shirt all the way up? <laughs> <laughs> That's not even you the see, worst. Young kids do that, right? Do you, yeah. Do your, do your sons do that? No, but he also, I mean, that I think it's his shtick because he, his podcast is, you know, Chris Sims unbuttoned. You're so. button it up that far. You might as well wear a cool tie or something. Right. Um, so Sims came out. Take? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Sims came out today with his edge rankings. Um, and, you know, everybody's got their own thing. And, and we're not, we, we like when people stray from group think, you know, and, and come with. Of course some, we do, because it gives us this segment. It, yeah, it gives us some, uh, some things to take into account. But this was, I feel like he does this at least once a year or like one position group a year. Uh, and this year it was uh, the edge. So we're going to go one to five, not not five to one, one to five. We'll just uh, start with number two because obviously Will Anderson's number one, right? Right, right. So number one is uh, Tyree Wilson. What? We've we've had a little bit of a conversation on this. We'll talk about it more on the Patreon size, you know, in, in two, two weeks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Tyree Wilson, the guy that hasn't tested, the guy that <laughs> – hasn't He's got a foot uh, injury, but no yeah key. yeah a six seven guy no with a foot injury no no issue it's okay chill he played the big 12 powerhouse right yeah i mean seven sacks the high first career sacks. uh so you know so okay, i get that okay uh number two guy that we're a fan of on this podcast so uh, you Will know Anderson, again right yeah yeah uh lucas van s Okay. So, so I mean, we like Van Ness. He's a guy that we we both you know think is a a good player. Yeah. Couldn't start at Iowa, but you know, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I, the, I I like how you said that. Couldn't yeah, start. I think he probably could have. I'm not sure why he did, but you know, I, no, I, mean, I really I, like that he looks like an '80s movie villain or maybe an '80s movie hero. I, it could go both ways. Uh, number number three. 
Um, number three. It's got to be. Well, yeah. So number three is a guy that, again, we, we both like, but we've had, you know, some questions about, and that is uh, Nolan Smith. What? Um, uh, so is Nolan. Hassan Reddick fever. Yeah, Hassan Reddick fever. I mean, but Has- like, I mean, look you. This guy that weighs 230 pounds did one time so far. But you also mentioned it. Hassan Reddick did it in college as well, right? I mean, when he was oh, the yeah, o- that's a good point. only guy at Temple <laughs> versus playing on the greatest, one of the greatest defense in college football history. Well, they just, I, I heard the Georgia guys just don't produce because they're in a rotation. Oh, okay. So don't worry about it. Uh, number four. So, I mean, we got to be at Will Anderson, right? At this point, right? I'm going to um, say no, uh, based on how this has been going. Well, it is a Will. It's just Will McDonald. <laughs> how do you, so Will Anderson, if he was like four years older and, and went to Iowa State? <laughs> yeah. And, and less productive and, um, and, and then, player. I, I like and, and, him. And by the way, the best part is he has these in tiers, right? So Tyree Wilson is tier one. By himself? Luke, yeah. Lucas <laughs> Van Ness, Nolan Smith, and Will McDonald are, are tier two. That's so weird because none of those three are alike at all. I mean, I guess you're going to see that in, 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 in my rankings too, but it's – did you see those three players? Say those Or those four. Did you see those four players? The four best – and and then number uh, five is will anderson jr but he's in tier three so like clearly below these guys i mean like not a question he's definitely below these guys so uh (laughs) i mean the hot take is kind of in and of itself right like i'm sure you have to listen to his podcast he has full explanation but um you know I've somebody sent me the clip. I haven't watched it yet. <clears throat> I promise I will at some point this week, but um <clears throat> I don't understand. It it's as if twenty twenty one never happened the way some people talk about Will Anderson, including I think your uh favored NFL franchise, the Arizona Cardinals, who seem desperate to unload that pick, uh, which makes me think that they value other players in this class on almost you know an exact level as will anderson if not value them higher so um it it does sound like arizona really wants to trade that third pick and then you're going to see quarterbacks go one two and now maybe three and will anderson fall into four or five or six or or defensive end five if Simmons drafted Right, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, yeah, the the big the big talk right now is obviously that I think Anthony Richardson is the odds-on favorite to be the third player taken overall. Uh, Will Anderson's gone from like minus one twenty or one eighty to like plus three hundred, which they're basically saying that the Cardinals are going to trade the pick mm-hmm. at this point. And apparently, um, they have a lot of. Interested teams. Uh, what uh, Ian Rappaport, I think, reported that five or six teams were interested. Yeah, and it and it makes, yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, we've talked about it. You know, both uh, obviously, Indy's got to be interested to make sure that they get the guy they want, right? Like, obviously, they can't get the first guy, but if they for real are all in on Anthony Richardson, they got to make sure somebody else doesn't come up and get him. Um, and then you've got. And then you've got obviously Las Vegas, who just signed Jimmy Garoppolo, but again is allegedly wanting to bring in Anthony Richardson to kind of be the guy behind him. <laughs> why do these Why do these teams want to bring in these quarterbacks that are nothing like Jimmy Garoppolo behind Jimmy Garoppolo? Because well, nobody wants Jimmy. <laughs> so, but, but it's almost like you can't run the same offense, right? Are you gonna have two different offensive playbooks? That doesn't make any sense. I've and then subscribe to the you know sidebar here, but I've always subscribed to the idea that you should have quarterbacks uh, like that. The backup should be similar to the starter. I think you're gonna have an easier time um, 
pulling him into the game cold if your starter gets hurt or something like that. And then uh, we've heard recently that the um, Titans are wanting to to get up in there, which makes sense. I for, I've for who will Levis? I you know he would probably. I mean, at that point, why not just keep Ryan Tannehill, right? Yeah. I, but can I but, say something real quick about Levis? Yeah. We saw a fantasy guy, Dave Kluge or Kluge. I think it's Kluge. Sorry, Dave. Um, tweet out the video of Will eating a rotten banana, peeling all. And he said, he said rotten. That was Kluge's uh, word, but it was definitely brown. It was one that you'd probably use to make banana bread if you're a sane person. Um, and then we saw Uncle Chaps on Barstool write a blog about how Will Levis puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Guys, welcome to two years ago. We've been talking about this. In fact, we've said on the show many times that it, that those viral videos are probably what got people talking about Will Levis in the first place because it sure, surely was not his career at Penn State that got people talking. Right. And and the other thing is with that, you know, uh, somebody tweeted out that nobody has more invested in their quarterback and running back than the Titans with, uh, with Tannehill and – and uh, Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. My question on that is, isn't, I mean, and I get it, you've got to bite the bullet and, you know, just just get rid of one of those contracts, and obviously of the two, you're probably getting rid of Tannehill, right? But I think there's isn't, a plan on getting rid of both, frankly. Isn't trading a ton of assets for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, or, I mean, again, even if it's C.J. Stroud, our number one guy, isn't that investing a ton too? Like, I know it's not in the salary cap, but like all of a sudden you're going to, I mean, if the Cardinals were to go from three to 11, you're talking, you're, you're talking like what three first round picks. That's basically what the, the 49ers gave up in 20 uh, to go get Trey Lance. Right. Well, Uh, I mean, it's, it's not that much when you see how well that worked out. (laughs) <laughs> right i mean and like, so it seems ever use like recent history to say like wait maybe we should slow our roll and rethink things like that that was two years ago and there already are reports that they're looking to to move on from lance there are reports that patriots are trying to trade mac, mac jones, jones and that he's lost part of the locker room and, you know, obviously we were really, really high on both of those quarterbacks. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's just it's funny to me how it seems like every single year the NFL draft happens in a vacuum, both in terms of how NFL teams approach it and in terms of how the draft media approaches it many times. Like, didn't just see what just happened like in the last five years. Um, but you're gonna take another, uh, you're gonna take another uh, dive in the well for that, and, and, and you know, it's that meme, it's that uh, arrested development meme, you know. But but it, it might work for us this time, right? Right, exactly. It's always gonna work <laughs> for that for the next team. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, um, I really ended up enjoying this show, even though it was running backs, and I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I like this running back class, but I wasn't really anxious to talk about them, but we end up having a good talk so thank you seth and thanks uh thank you to our producer robert bond and thank you to our listeners both here on itunes spotify etc and over on patreon we always encourage you please to go sign up uh, for our patreon we think you're really going to get some value out of it even if you just go to that two dollar tier you get an extra podcast every week and some weeks that's the only one we do because we value our patrons that much. Uh, but uh, again, we value all of you so much. And, uh, and and our own sanity for that. Sometimes it's just a schedule thing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we love all of you, and thanks so much. Uh, we're excited for the next couple of weeks, and we're, we're uh, getting very, very close to the 2023 draft. Everybody's excited for that, and you know nobody's more excited than we are. So thank you all. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back later this week with a Patreon episode. Have a great night, everybody.
We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly. 